Yes, that's the way the Lord wants us to walk. Seeing the beauty and the bonds of him. So it's awesome. All right, praise God. Little group, but we'll do good. Hey, and is um, uh, Tori's coming too, right? Okay, excellent. Is she far? Okay. Well, awesome. Praise God. Let's open up with prayer. We're just going to open up with prayer. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we love you with our whole heart, our soul, and our strength. Lord, we invite in the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that was given to us in your resurrection. Lord, we ask the Holy Spirit to open up our ears and our eyes so that we can hear the truth of in your word. So, Lord, lead us and guide us in the way you want to go today. Lord, help us with these growth inhibitors that we're talking about as we develop and grow in the maturity of Christ. So, Lord, we thank you, we honor you, and we lift up the name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. All right, awesome. You know what? There is so much going on with growth inhibitors of shame, rejection, and unforgiveness. And we started that last week, and we talked about rejection. I kind of went right into a topic. And um, it's important for us to know that if we are operating with rejection, unforgiveness, or shame, then that means there is a curse operating in our life. So we open ourselves up. That's what we're here to learn. You know, because remember, as we are growing from glory to glory, I want you to, I'm going to read you a story. I'm opening up a little different today than just going right into the lesson. Because the Lord reminded me of this this morning in my time. We're growing up into maturity in Christ, into the body, to be able to be in unity. Now, I want to get this. It says we're to be unity in the faith. Why do we have to grow up to get to that bottom row? The people on the bottom row are working in unity in faith with other people. That means they have the same mindset. They're not looking at people. They're looking at what the job that Christ has for them to do. Well, you can't, you are growing up in whose you are and who you are, but it's hard to, you know, you're on that bottom level when all you are is living to help develop another person, bring in another person. You're still growing, but you want to be a part and do the part you were called to do. Each and every one of us was called to do a part in the body of Christ. And, you know, we're here to know what that is, because when you know what it is, you're going to go out and do, you're going to go out and do what you're supposed to do. And you're not going to worry about do I feel accepted? You already know you are accepted. You're not going to worry about when are they honoring me? You already feel honored every day that you have Christ in you and that he is building something. And, you know, I was thinking about this and you don't have to worry about being in unforgiveness with somebody else. You just love everybody. You love everybody for what God has called you to do for that time. That doesn't mean you have to take care of everybody. Come on. I mean, that's the hardest thing for a pearl, right? And we've, that's something that we talk about later in the class is about, you know, knowing our gems and knowing where are we strong for the body, but then also knowing how the devil wants to beat you up in it too. So I want to open up with a story that the Lord had me read this morning. It was really cool. And it was a great refresher. When God brought the people out of Egypt, out of bondage, he brought them to a place. Now, a place for 40 years before he set them into the the promised land, all right? But when they got into the promised land, then they had to deal with, you know, the opposer. They had to deal with, they still had to expand their territory. And they still had to, God did not just hand them the whole promised land. Joshua brought them in, divvied it up. And then he, when he was gone, then judges were in place. 
to help them take over the rest of the land, to overcome the enemy. Well, that's what we do in our soul. We have to overcome the enemy. Well, this is a cool story. And go ahead and put up Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 8. This is when Israel, now Israel, they already experience God. They already know his provision. They already know how he's there with them. So Israel is, in our terms, I want you to think about this. When you read the word Israel, it says Jacob became Israel. When Jacob became Israel, that means Israel was the name assigned to him to say that he had hit a level of what? Maturity and authority and authority. Okay. When he was Jacob, he was still being processed. Jacob wasn't completely a good guy, which none of us are when we started this off. We get the light comes to expose the darkness. Christ came in the world to send light, to expose what's not of God. And everybody's born into sin. So I think this is interesting. Here are the Israelites. Okay. They're already Now, I think it's interesting. Israel, these are his tribes. These are the tribes and the clans and the 12 tribes. And so they were already born with the entitlement thing going. Do you know what entitlement means? Entitlement means when you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth and you're already born in the promise, think about this. It's almost harder to raise up people that were born in the promise. It's the same type of fight as a person who didn't even know that they belonged to the promise. Just like, look at it in Christ, when we are lost and then we are born again, there are people who sit in that born again position and they stay in church all these years knowing that the promise is in them, but they're not even living in the promise. Do you get what I'm saying? The people who are lost that haven't crossed over and have gotten saved, they're just living in the world because they don't know any different. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's amazing when you get somebody who comes from lost to found and has a heavy conversion never has had any experience in the church. Well, it's different. You know what I mean? Because they're going hardcore. Then you get people that, hey, you know, I already understand this. I got church down. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know I'm saved. And they don't think they have to do anything more. Well, I think that was the awesome thing that the Lord was showing us in the progress of the development. When Israel rose up and then he had what? The 12 tribes. That, that now those were the ones to inherit the what? promise Christ is in us. We are already supposed to recognize that we walk with the promise. The promise is in us. We don't experience the fullness of hope until we hit heaven, but we already have all the tools right in here, right in here, just waiting to tap into. Well, here they're already in the promised land and Samuel, I'm just going to give you a prelude on this. Samuel was the prophet that, that led them with the judges. Well, Samuel was getting old. And Samuel had two sons, but the sons didn't have the relationship with God like Samuel did. And so I want to read this little story to remind you of something today before we go into these growth inhibitors. I want to remind you who is your king in this story. It says, now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. He actually, he knew he was going to be what? Passing on. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of the second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain. They took bribes, and they perverted justice. Now, okay, this is what's so awesome. They were being raised by who? Samuel, who was like one with God. Okay, he was one with God. 
And even his two sons, sons of entitlement, right? Meaning, I look at it that way, that they were already born in seeing this relationship, knowing everything, but they actually took what they knew and then they turned aside for what? Dishonest gain, took broads, perverted justice. Do you know unforgiveness, shame, and rejection causes us to fall into those same things? It causes us to fall into dishonest gain, going the wrong way, taking a bribe, not even knowing we're taking a bribe. We can think of this as hardcore term, but we can apply this in such great levels that you can see when you're actually doing this. And perverted justice. Man, when we're in our me, 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 then we think we're right. We actually can pervert justice to our way. I mean, how many times have we done that? The word is in place. I love it. The word is in place for us. We are so blessed that we have this Bible, that we have this in place to help us to know these differences. It says, then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah, Ramah, I think that's how you say it, and said to him, look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Next frame. Now make us a king to judge us like the nations. Oh, now this is the Israelites who have lived, depended, leaned on God through the prophet Samuel. Okay. Now, because they, they did have a good eye to see the truth that these sons were not walking in the same ways, but they still, and they knew Samuel was what? Old. But they go to Samuel and said, make us a what? A king to judge us like all the nations. Okay, remember, when we look at nations, nations are worldly. Nations are of the world. It says, when the word says, I'm going to bring the nations, that means that nations really want to be drawn under the authority of God. They just, they're finding a God, but they're not, we're not all agreeing what the same God is. Do you know what I mean? So I loved when it says, and the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Now, I think this is interesting because we talked about what last week? Rejection. Rejection. Think about it. When we, the first rejection that happens is when we choose to follow another God, when we choose to follow another way. For our own, and it really has to do with our own selfish gain. I mean, we have to seek ourselves really deep to ask ourselves, what gain do we have in this? What bribe are we taking? What what justice are we perverting? Because it's always a motive is behind that. There is a motive behind it. But God said to Samuel, okay, heed the voice of the people. Do you know God loves us so much? He doesn't force anything on us. He doesn't force us to accept his son. Even though it's the outline already, and I'm going to tell you, when you accept him in your heart and you feel that heartbeat, that Holy Spirit in you, and you have that experience where you know you can't be creating that, that has to come from what? Heaven. The Holy Spirit, it had to come from God, all right? When it all came down, when we get those experiences and those tastes of God, do you know how important it is for us to hold on to those? God says, Hold on to our experiences of God so we don't let go. And I talked about this last week about falling away. How do you know you're falling away? You're rejecting him. How do you know you're rejecting him? You're not reading in the word. You're not worshiping. Do you know what I mean? Every morning we have the opportunity to invite the Holy Spirit. If we're everybody in here saved, 
So we invite the Holy Spirit in every morning. Gene had made a comment that the Lord had shared with him that if you don't open that word every morning, how did he put it? He said, um, you're deceived for the day. You are deceived for the day. Okay. I mean, I just want to look at that. It's powerful. These people who actually came through Egypt under bondage through the leadership of Joshua, through Samuel, the prophet and the judges, because they knew Samuel was dying, they let fear enter in and thought they weren't going to have a good what ruler because they saw what these other two, the two sons were doing. So they were, they were really judging and they were rejecting God. They were, they really were rejecting what God had for them according to all the works. Now this is what God told them. They have rejected me that I should not reign over them because he was already leading them. Now I want us to remember today what we choose when we get up every morning. We choose to read in that word. We choose to worship. We don't want to be seed for the day. Who reigns our life? Right? We want to be trained to reign with Christ in our life. All right? It says, now God even said, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt. Now, that, that I should not reign over them according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt. That means they, they, they did not revere or respect or honor all the stuff that God had done for them. They're still looking at them what? Selves. Go to the next couple verses. It says, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods. So they are doing to you also. Now, therefore, heed their voice. God said, hand them what? Over to what they want. I want you to know this. Every day God loves you so much, he will hand you over to what you want. Now, we want to choose him. We want him to reign and rule because it was already set to be that way since the very foundations of the earth. It was already set that way. It says, now, therefore, heed their voice. However, however, you shall solemnly forewarn them. This is what I'm doing today. You shall forewarn them. Show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. Now, I love this. This is so true. I have lived this every time. And I'm not saying that when I was young, I was seeking God. Do you know what I mean? I still had an experience with God when I was in 10th grade. And, you know, I, everybody knows that story when I put the, the gun to my house and it didn't go off. I knew God was real. You know what I mean? Because that was impossible. And, but yet I still chose to go and live in my, my own way. And there were times I would hear a voice say to me, you do not have to do that. You do, and I would think, I don't know what else to do. So I'm going to what? Do that. <laughs> I mean, I, I did. I, I cannot lie. I in college before I got married. I sat on the stairwell. And I did not want to get married. And my, and my father said, this is who you're going to marry. He said it so firm that I was like, okay. But I remember that stress because, and I had to talk myself into it. He's good looking. He's not, you know what I mean? And all this stuff. But I heard a voice in the hallway in my, in, in, in inner voice say to me, I didn't know I had a Holy Spirit. Do you get what I'm saying? We always knew we were talking within. We are either talking within your own cycle or you are talking with. You were talking with the Lord. And so, 
But there is a time that you can hear things and know you knew that was God. How many people have experienced that? You just know you knew it and you just turned it, even though God had your back. But because of fear, you didn't know what you're going to do with your life. You went ahead and did something that wasn't of him. How many have done that? Right. We actually rejected God for that moment. And then you actually have to pay the time. I don't want to say God is not about punishment, but boy, when we take what we think we want, then where are we? Feeling punished? (laughs) We feel like, God, why have you punished me? I was so happy in this. And he's saying the whole time, and you didn't ask me. You know what I mean? And I did try to, God does forewarn us. I don't care if you have accepted Christ in your heart. He forewarns you. He forewarns you. So it says, solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior. He even showed them what they were going to be like, what it was going to be like. But you know, when our mind wants something, we really do ignore it. So Samuel told the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of your king. I want you to think about it. This is the behavior of rejection. This is the behavior of shame. This is the behavior of unforgiveness. He said, so Samuel told all the words of the Lord of the people who asked for him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons. So you're going to take your sons, your children, and appoint them over his own chariots and to be his horsemen. And some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties. He will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest. All you notice, the his is all what? Lowercase. His harvest. And some to make his weapons of war and equip for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, kirks, bakers, basically slaves, right? And he will take the best of your fields and your vineyards and your olive groves and give them to his what? Servants. Keep going. He's already saying. Now, this is what's amazing. He is telling him, you are now going to become a servant to this order, to this king you're asking for. You don't know if that king has a good heart. You don't know. You just you don't know what's coming, but you know he's going to put some order in place. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vin- and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. And he will take your male servants and your female servants for your finest, your finest young men, your donkeys, and he will put them in his what work. He will put them in his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep and he will be and you will be his servants. And you will cry out in that day. I love it. God even forewarned them. Okay, I'm telling you. Now, remember, they don't know who he is. They don't know who he is. But they're being told, now you're going to come out of my reign. And now you're going to go under this new king's reign. But they don't know who that king is. He says, and you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Oh, now here's what the killer is. He already, killer. This is, I mean, he is already telling the people. He is already telling these people that they can cry out to him, but he can't do what? He's not going to be able to hear him. He can't because they, the Lord will not hear you in that day because he's not their king. So if you choose that authority, 
then that is the authority that you're going to tithe to. That's the authority you're going to give everything to. That's the authority you're going to hand it. Come on, aren't we laughing? I mean, I love how God chose this at a time when we're struggling. See, the Israelites were struggling at this time. They were struggling with the growth inhibitors. They were struggling with unforgiveness, shame, and rejection. And when they saw that the leader, the prophet that they respected, because God's still going to use a what? A mouth. So he used that prophet. But when they saw the one they were attached to was going to be going, and they didn't trust what God had in the line, because they still, remember, we walk by faith. Okay, when we start demanding what we want, which is out of faith, see, faith is the substance of things we cannot what? See. So when you actually are you when you're deciding what you want and not what he wants, he he says he basically I'm going to hand you to that. Now, when you cry to me, I can't do anything about it because you've already chose that. And that means if you chose if you chose that way, then you've also chose the curse that's attached to it. And this, he was saying, the curse attached to it is that the Lord would not what? Hear them. Nevertheless. Now, isn't that amazing that Samuel forewarned them, giving them another chance to choose? Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but we will have a what? A king over us that we also may be like the nations. See, all they were doing was looking out and saying, I want to be like that nation. I want to have what that nation has. Some of them probably want to go back to Egypt, you know? It's all, it's all tied up with unforgiveness, shame, and rejection. And it says, and that our king may judge us. They wanted a king of the world to judge them and go out before us and go out before us and fight our battle. Now, isn't this awesome? The day we accepted Christ in our heart and God wants to work out our growth inhibitors to mature us to get what? To the bottom row of the body. He wants to mature us to get us to that bottom row so that we can actually work in the body and trust the king. Jesus, I mean, I loved how God sent his word to really show us how to walk this out and came, he came with what? Power, all right? He came with power to show us he was the example that showed us when a person feared a change. Man, he set the line. He had a demonstration. He helped the woman at the well. Like, you know, if you had faith, he was there. But you have to have faith in the substance of things that are unseen. And you have to really know and have that relationship with him. That's what this ministry teaches. We have to move out the growth inhibitors that hold us back. And you know what? Oh, let me just finish this, and then we're going to go with that Philippians verse. And Samuel heard the words of the people, and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. He repeated to make sure, hey, guys, I'm saying this, in, because back then people spoke through the, the Lord spoke through the prophets. He said, now I'm going to repeat your words to the, the Lord. Now, confirm this or don't. And so the Lord said to Samuel, Heed their voice. I love how there was more than one chance. Heed their voice, make them a king. And Samuel said to the men, and Samuel said to the men of Israel, Every man now go to his city. So he dispersed them back out. And then God, then in the next chapter, assigned Saul as the king. And he seeked out 
a king and he and God still bestowed his spirit on Saul. See that see God still loved the people. He still bestowed his spirit on Saul. God picks every leader. But we're not to judge. We're to we're to go to God and ask God, show me where I fellowship. Show me who my who my mentor is going to be. Show me where to go. Show me what to do. God will lead you by faith in those. Everybody in here has walked in faith. There isn't anybody that doesn't come in this door that's not leaving something they don't understand, that they're not letting go of something, and they know they're being led by the truth of their spirit. And everybody comes in here for their soul to be renewed. I don't care how mature you are. There, I, everybody who comes in this door is somewhere on this chart to get to the bottom row. Our responsibility is to get everybody to the bottom row. I, the middle row is where you're learning who you are in him and how to work the power of Christ within you. But now please put up Philippians from this morning. Um, uh, the Lord had me for real estate worship um, for the month of June. I'm not teaching. I'm putting up a verse for during worship to be meditated because June is the last month of burial. We are so blessed that we're learning how to move with the times and seasons of God. And in those times and seasons of God, you have to know times where God will, Jesus, the Lord will pull away to see what are you going to do? What are you doing in that pull away? Well, June, we, in this ministry, we're calling this the month where everybody needs to focus on the Lord. No ministers to, to, unless it's somebody new, but we're not to minister too much to people come to the class and then now go spend time with God and Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and get this, it's so important for when the rubber band that's being stretched with everybody right now, the rubber band's being stretched because God is changing something in everybody this year, and if you yield to it, there's a harvest, but the rubber band with everybody in burial is so stretched that when it gets released, there's supposed to be a relief. You're supposed to enjoy the rest, and in the rest, the next three months, you should just be worshiping God, reading your Bible. Not the worry and the concerns are all to be gone. Because when it comes to harvest time, that is a faith that has action in it. And I'm going to tell you, if there, whatever God's removing from you in unforgiveness, shame, or rejection, whatever he's moving from you, he can, he's not doing it all at once. You already know what it is because you're in the season where God already has identified it to you. Okay. So if it's been identified, hold on to that because in the rest, as you enjoy and you grow and you lift up, then when the harvest comes, you'll be able to, hey, you'll be able to move with faith of action. So remember, there's a, there's a saving faith in the beginning where we get saved, where God identifies something he's moving out of us. We actually call out whether it's in rejection, shame, or unforgiveness, whatever it is, anger, deception, manipulation, whatever you're dealing with, self-resilient, self, um, what do you call it? Reliance, any of these things, God has to move it out because whatever harvest is coming, there's going to be an action. Crops just don't grow up. And you say, there's my harvest. No, you have to bring the harvest in. And that's a faith of action. That means God's going to be giving lots of instruction the last three months of this year. He's going to be giving lots of instruction so you can bring in the harvest he has for you this year. But everybody's harvest different. Somebody's harvest might be debt conciliate. I remember that year when the Lord did that. 
I'll never forget that year. I heard, I'm going to cancel out all your debt. Okay. But then he said, now it's going to be done my way. And then when I, I agreed to it, I had to come into what? Agreement. Who was reigning in my life? King Jesus. I reign, I went, I said, you're going to have to show me how to do this. Because in the world, I could have chosen another king. I could have figured it out how I could have done it in the world. This is the best example to use. I could have, man, I wasn't so bad off that I couldn't figure out how to move my properties and investments to get my debt paid off. I could have done it very easily and just, but no, God says, now we're going to do it my way. And man, I didn't understand that. I still was thinking what? The world. But during the death and the burial season, he was working out whatever inhibitors that he was working for me that season so I could hear his voice. So when it was time for the harvest, I would know how to move faith with action. Okay. So he saved me by identifying said, okay, it's, you're not to be in debt. I'm going to clear all your debt. And it, it was amazing. All the verses came and I just started meditating on those verses. And then I felt stretched out because I wanted to do it my, my way. And I start, every time I took a step to do it my way, it would what? It wouldn't work. But I started hearing his voice because I pressed in in worship in a relationship. And it was like the spirit, the soul, and my body started to get into a line with God where I could hear everything coming down saying, do this, do this. And I was like, really? Do this, do that. And I'm going to tell you something. The whole year went by and all the debt conciliation happened. It's from September to the end of the year. Yes, that was the harvest, but I had to die first of myself. Then I had to let it be buried that I really was not going to try to go get a loan or go do this or try to sell this. I really had to bury it to him. I really had to give him the kingship over doing that in my life, wiping out that curse. And then, then I did, I rest. I just became so like, because our time is not his time. And I didn't even worry if any bill got paid or nothing. I did not worry about my credit score. Let me tell you, everything of the world, that things I worried about, I did not worry about anymore. I really didn't. I didn't. I mean, it was weird. It was the first time I couldn't pay things because he was asking me, give $5,000 to this, give this. I was giving my wet money away. And I was like, okay, I might not be able to pay my mortgage. But he was trying to do something because I didn't need to pay my mortgage the last month. I couldn't pay it because he was giving away the house. It was so crazy. He had me give away the house. So because he, he knows everybody's financial situation. He knows everyone's sorrow. Let's talk about sorrow here. I'm telling you, I had a vision when the Lord showed me that when we come to the altar of God, our soul is an altar. When we worship him and read in the word and we get his thoughts in here, he is going to burn up some thoughts. And when something gets burned up, it falls into ashes. Well, what does he say? What does he do with ashes? He brings beauty for your ashes. He changes those ashes and he turns it into the beauty that he already called you to because he already knows we're going to make mistakes. <laughs> but we have to say, I sinned. That's why in Jeremiah 16, 10, he says, don't ask me why this disaster is happening to you. He says, ask me where you have sinned against me. So you have to ask him, God, if, if, right, if something's happening, it's not right. God, where have I sinned against you? Boy, he's good. He'll show it to you. <laughs> he will not deny you when you are done with the old. Look at the people here in Israel. The Israelites actually, 
They asked him not once. He didn't say, he did it twice. He gave them three times to back out of saying, we're going to pick this king to rule over us instead of you ruling over us. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is important. When God does that, there is a pinnacle point. I call it the pressure point. When you've got to choose who your king is. Who is your king? There's decisions everybody in here has to make. There are movements everybody has to make. I'm going to tell you. And they can come on a day you don't expect it. But you got to know who is your king. Who is your king? Are you willing to empty any of your thoughts out? Empty that out so he can pour in his thoughts. And don't question it. With a just live by faith. God needs to get. That's why whatever curses we're connected to, which we, we do get connected to curses. Because we're human and we're still working out our salvation with Christ. We have to work out the salvation in our soul. I reminded everybody this morning, Philippians 2, 5, 9. Let the mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Okay, guys, that is the ticket. The ticket is we are the new temple. Our mind, if we will allow Jesus to rule and reign in our what? Mind, our soul. Okay, it says, who being in the form of God. Okay, who's in the form of God? Christ Jesus, right. Did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Now I'm going to tell you something. What that, what that is saying is um, he came here knowing he was one with the Father. The Father promised he was going to send a Savior. Okay, thank God Jesus said, yeah, I, hey, I'm your, you're, my, you're my daddy. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to go on earth and I'm going to do this. He did not even consider it robbery that he was actually equal with God, but he had to come on the earth and be a what? A servant. He had to come because he was going to show us the way of death, burial, rest, and then resurrection. Do you know what's so beautiful in the rest? When Mary came to him after the burial and she came running to him and she saw the gardener, you know what he said to her? At first he said to her, why are you crying? <laughs> And she says, and then when she realized it was her teacher, her Lord, she identified who he was, but then she wanted to come to him. And he said, no, do not touch me right now. It was because he said, I have not been resurrected. He wasn't resurrected yet. He said, don't cling to me. Some versions say, don't hold on to me because Jesus was now in his rest. We are entering into a rest time. We have to understand rest. Rest is that he still had 40 days to roam before he was what? Resurrected. All right. So he said, do not, do not cling to me. Do not touch me. Do not touch a man in their transition. When we are being removed, I like this. We are putting it on for the month of June. We are only to minister new people. People who've already been attending here, we cannot be ministering to because it's time for you to get up to him. So you can hear whatever you're supposed to be letting go. If you don't know what you're supposed to be letting go, you need to hear it and get it done with. Because I want, we want to see everybody in rest where they don't have to, all they have to do is just enjoy their relationship for three months with the Lord. You're enjoying, do you know what I mean? No, that's good. You're enjoying that relationship with the Lord. And then whatever harvest he has deemed for you for this year, the father sits and wants to give all good things. Christ turns and says to the father, that mindset's mine. 
We are one. Uh, me, I am the lover of their soul. In this one thing, they have done it. Release, release the harvest. Isn't that amazing? That's really how it works. Jesus is the judge of our soul. He holds that pan of coals, right? He is the handler. He is standing. Why? Because he's already done it. He sits there and looks down on Tiana and says, okay, Tiara, Tiara, the queen. I got it. I, I love the crown. Tiara, that girl's going to wear the crown of authority. God already knows the thing that he's burning out of her, you know, and then once that comes to ash, now he waits. He waits. There is the rest period. Is she going to still enjoy me? Is she still going to seek me? Do you know what I'm saying? Because now you're supposed to be so one with him during that rest. You don't even notice if he's knocking on your door or not. You're not crying to him anymore. You're already there with him. You're, you're riding it out. And then all of a sudden, one day, you're going to hear an instruction. Now go do this. Now go do this. Now go do this. And you need to go what? Just do it. And don't even worry about what it's, because whatever your harvest is going to be, he's got it coming to you. I'll tell you, a lot of harvests that I do feel that's coming is I do feel that we are in a time and disposition where God does want everybody out of financial debt. And if they really seek what holds them back, God does want to start revealing that to them. I also believe very strongly that households, the Lord are gonna, the Lord is going to be putting people in order, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a, a spouse that's not saved, whatever it is, he's putting in a line and it is this year. And I believe that he's trying to get people in the spot. I love it. Movement has to do with what? Place, posture, and position. Man, if you're already here, you're in the right what? place. You got to know you're in the right fellowship, the right mentorship to know, am I in the right place to get what I need? Because remember, we need people. We're not to need people like I need people. We're to still know that we're fellowshipping where we're supposed to be, where God has assigned us to be. And usually the right sign that you know is you'll connect and know you're supposed to be there or you'll start, you'll leave. And then all these attacks will start happening to you. And then you'll think I'm not supposed to be. (laughs) <laughs> but if you get a tax after you leave here, that's a good thing. Because remember, the devil, like Jean has taught this many times, the devil does not care if we're saved. But he sure, he does not care if you get saved. But he sure doesn't want you spending time in the word. He doesn't want you to worship. He doesn't want you to know the great treasure that lies in you. Because that's all he's cared. He could care less if spirits get saved. But he sure cares about if souls get saved. Your spirit's already going to go back to heaven. And where's your soul going? I, I said, I, I remember when I got that revelation, God gets every spirit back. And I kept thinking that means everything. And then it was like, no, but he doesn't get every soul back. That's a choice. That's a choice. What king are you going to choose? Is this good, Chris? Okay. So he reminds us, God is being formed. He, God being in the form of God. Gene's been talking about the being filled with God and being flooded with God. We can be saved and not filled with God or flooded with God, all right? We can have gifts of the Holy Spirit and think we're just all that in a bag of chips. That doesn't mean you're full of God or flooded with God. But this is what I love. Let this mind be in which you is also in Christ Jesus. He is the lover of your soul. He wants to change that soul. Being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no what? Reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So he came down and he came right in the form that which we're born in. We, we have the best high priest and the best intercessor that ever entered because he wants to dwell in us and he wants the father 
to dwell in us too. The Father cannot dwell in us until the soul is changed to be Christ changed, transformed. It says, and being found in the appearance of men, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death. Even Jesus had to get the instruction of the Father every day and do what he was told to do. I mean, he had the fullness of the glory up in heaven and came down to do this work so that we could have the revelation of God in us and what work he has to do in our mind so we could be what? Changed to work and walk by faith and do what he has called you to do on this on this earth. I did. I remember when I got that revelation. Man, we're all in college. Everybody's in, we, are, we were up in heaven and he sent us to college. Do you know what I mean? And we have to learn how to live college and do college. And you know what I mean? Hey, how many people were afraid when they went to college? I don't know if everybody went to college. All those buildings. I have to go to what building for what class? And I get to only eat meals these days. And you know what I mean? And what? Oh, and we can go out and party. You know, I can go out and do My mom doesn't tell me when I have to be home. I mean, I got to college. I slept my first quarter because my home life was so crazy. I was like, I didn't care if I went to class. And I still got, I, I, I passed with a 2.9 my first quarter. And I was like, I don't even know how I did that because I slept so much. But I had freedom. I'm going to tell you, he sent us here into a place. I'm going to tell you, there's worldly freedom. What did the Israelites do? They got to choose. They got to choose. And here they're saying to Samuel, we want a king. And here they already had even... Jesus wasn't there yet, but he was there. The Lord was God and Jesus in one, and he was already there. And he was already leading them. He leaded them out of bondage. He leaded them. He, he took them to so many great things. And here now they were calling for a man to lead them. Now, and this is where, this is where I have to be careful with that, because we still are called to be in a fellowship where there are people that have gone before us. It says, surround yourself with a cloud. God will surround you with a cloud of witnesses. People who've already gone to levels you haven't. I can help anybody with that conciliation. Because why? He did it for me. The only person I owe is tax. All I owe is right and to pay my utilities. Do you know what I'm saying? But I owe no man but to love them. And boy, there is a, I am what? Free. That is true freedom. True freedom, but whatever was blocking this soul, selfishness. What was he was burning things out of me? I felt like I was being burnt up every day. I mean, no kidding. When I was going through it, when I said, You are my king, I'm giving this to you. I was living with a man unmarried. I said, I have to give this to you because you're going to show me if this is my husband or not. And then he told me, Don't do anything, do everything like you were doing it. I got up every morning, I still made coffee, I still made dinner, I still did everything, and he moved it. And he did it with such love. I mean, it was like amazing. God does things in peace. To us, though, it's tragedy. <laughs> to him, he is trying to establish, hey, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness is being in the right what? In the place where you need to be with him. Do you know what I mean? But there is a peace. A peace is a posture. There is a place where we stand in peace because we know who our God is. Even though I'm not seeing God around me happening right now, but I know who my God is. That's when joy can really set in. Righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. When we get that, you actually have joy in the tragedy. Now, just because there's a lot of new people here, 
I know that your faces don't look like you have joy. (laughs) I know you can see when the morning of what you're about to lose comes upon you because Mamie's got to laugh, right? Our faces sometimes can have so much mourning and because there is pain that has to leave. But let me tell you, once you let it go, man, he starts filling you up with a joy so you can enjoy what you're called to do. But he's got to set it right. Only by grace can he do that. I love it because he says, when he says he humbled himself, that means what do we have to do? That has a lot to do with our posture. We can be in the right place here, but now we have to get in the right posture, which people do that in here. It's hard to humble yourself. Come on. I've seen it in the face. You can see when the war is on on a person. Yeah, I'm listening to this, but I'm still trying to judge it. I'm still trying to decide, is this what the rule I want? When we just throw ourselves on the ground and say, he rules, and I'm just going to go with it. I mean, but that is a hard thing to do because we've already grown up in a world and have learned things that were not of his truth. But he knew that already. We've already been violated by things that were not the truth. We've already made mistakes by being led by not was what not was the truth. But that's what I love in Luke. In Luke, it says, he sets that up for us, for us to make mistakes so that when we experience him, we truly know what's God and what's not God. And when you have an experience with him, you really do. You're like, wow, but do not shame yourself. Don't reject yourself from, we actually put ourselves where we redirect, we reject God like the Israelites do because we don't understand what God is doing. This year, it has been the intense focus for this ministry to teach how to get through the advancement from within, how these movements and changes and seasons are happening with your life so that when you go through it next year, you're like, got that because now they really taught it. They really, it was taught out, but it was taught out from experience from good revelation it says so he humbled himself which is a posture and become obedient to the point of death we have to die man i would rather die than anything else and you're not having to die in the physical you're dying in the soul to whatever thought you're holding on to it says even the death of the cross so christ said he took the burden even there's a verse that says we don't even know how bad it was. We can't even conceive how bad and what he went through. And God's just asking us to renew our soul. It says, therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name, which is above what? Every name. Now, man, if you take time and just meditate on this, do you know why that gets me excited? That gets me excited because I have a choice to choose Christ Jesus or not. If I choose him and I allow myself to be what? humbled he's gonna i'm gonna have a battle in the soul but he's not trying to i'm gonna tell you when our soul prospers when our soul the word is in the soul our health prospers our life prospers because he's gonna make us ready to do the work he's called us to do i have seen people so sick so sick and they come into this alignment and then they're like never sick they they do not get sick they I mean, it all depends on what God's plan or where, who he wants them to speak to. I remember one time I questioned Gene. I was new here and this was, this was about six years ago. And he comes in with a, with a horrible back. And I was like, okay, he really looked like cripple. Like it was hard for him to get out of his car. 
get into the building. And I was like, okay, I don't think this is good. You know what I mean? I really didn't think this was good. I was like, is this really God? Because God wants us what? Healed. Okay. Well, he knew. God told him what chiropractor to go, what to do, who to talk to. And, you know, he went and actually healed a blind eyes of a technician at a, he went to go get his back taken a look at. And the mo- moment he went there and did a healing, his back was fine. You know, we can't judge anything that's in our lives. We have to give everything up to Christ so he can form and transform our soul. So we have to know, don't judge. When you see somebody that's suffering something, don't don't judge them. You know what I mean? Praise God that God is doing something in their life. There's always something that God is doing in their life. So praise God. What's the time check? It is six o'clock? 5.56. Okay. Well, we're just going to end with this because I'm, we're really being firm this month on getting people time, people going home, people being with their families, because it's very important that everybody has their home relationship with the Lord. And I want everybody to meditate. Samuel, it was 1 Samuel chapter 8, where it talked about how they gave up that position of the king. And they they wanted a man king when they were already being led by the king. So I want everybody to keep this in mind. We have a choice every day to get up and read this word and seek God because the enemy wants to keep our mind so tied up in these growth inhibitors, rejection, shame, and reject re- unforgiveness that he wants us to connect with the curse before we receive the blessing. And you know what the biggest blessing is? When it says, bless the Lord, all my soul, bless the Lord, all my soul, you are saying, fill me more with you. Bless me, Lord, all my soul. Make my mind in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Change my mind to be him. Because the moment, Bing, he sees that your mind really has that, whatever thought you're being worked on, because remember, it's a life journey. So whatever thought you're being worried, when it is perfected, what happens? He looks to the Father. The Father brings the good and perfect gift to us. Whatever, whatever we need, which the first thing we need is what? Him. We need more of him in our mind. And when we get him in our mind, then we can behave in the way and be able to hear in where we're to go in him, which puts us in the right position, which is what we talked about. Place, posture, position. Man, it's so important that everybody, right now, there's a posture right now. People need to be seeking him morning and night, reading in the word morning and night, not consulting people. I'm going to tell you, God wants to answer every single one of your questions. He wants to answer everything. And you may not get an answer right away. Do not worry about it. He is going to give it in due season and certain time. Even his son, when he came to death on the cross, it said what? God also highly exalted him. That means there is a time, everything that we give into unto death to let Christ be formed and transformed in our mind. Do you know he brings us a time to be what? Lifted up in something. He doesn't leave us like slaves on the earth. He wants us to experience the resurrection. I loved it when Paul went into Athens and he loved it because they were such philosophers. They studied all these philosophies and they were it. You were educated if you could quote this and quote that. And man, Paul was like, oh, where is God? And then he found an altar that said the unknown God. He was like, all right, we're going to make that altar God's altar because they do not know him. You know what I mean? We spend so much time trying to make up our own way. 
When God already said to the Israelites, cry to me. Now, but there's a point, a pressure point, when you choose to follow another God. When you say yes to another God, he can't what? Right, you paid the toll. You're going to have to go that course of action. When I chose to live with somebody unmarried, and I knew it was wrong, and I tried to get that man to walk down the aisle with me, nothing could get that man to walk down the aisle with me. So I said, great, we'll just live like we're married. (laughs) But I am telling you, when it was time for it to die, but it was six years. I loved it. He did not hear my, if I had something I was upset about, I knew God wasn't really hearing me at that time. It wasn't until I came to my death. There was a death I experienced, a revelation, an awareness of something. And I realized it was a false, all of it was false. And boy, column of God came down on me in my bedroom. And then two weeks later, I meet Gene Hall. I'm telling you, when God, when he knows your heart is really repentive to call for the change, he will not then deny his child. (laughs) He's not going to deny us. That's where I feel that the body of Christ suffers shame of coming in and being transparent because there's no many, not many places where you can come in and lay out your soul and then have people accept you and have people that are, that are good enough to say, nope, I'm backing away. Nope, I'm going to be close. No, nope, I'm going to do this. God's got people there that are never looking at your shame. They're looking at the beauty that he brings up out of the shame because look who also did it. Jesus, and he was blameless. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we are, we have to take some blame. You know what I mean? But he was blameless, but he came and did that to show us the way. And that's so valuable. I want us to remember what king, I want you to ask every morning, when you get up, what king are you serving for the day? That might help every, discipline everybody. What king am I serving today? God gave me this this morning. It was like this. We ministered at a ministry last night, and I just kept looking around, and they were serving. But I didn't feel like they really got, they, they don't get the king that they're serving. So I want us to know, if we just say, I want to serve you, how am I sinning? Just start showing me. Man, it works every time. I can't say I like it all the time. But I'll, I, I do, I'm like, okay, I don't know I'll feel if I feel confusion. I need you to show me something. Boom, open right up to something. And then I know when that verse, I know when that verse pops out on me. And when I see it, and you, you really, there are times you don't want to deal with that verse at that time. But then you have to stick with it and meditate on it and keep going with it. And he does change you. But you just have to go with the process. It's not, it's a process. And that's what we're here to teach. And we want people to have curses broken off their lives. We want people to be debt free. We want free so you can do what God's called you to do. Okay. God has called us all to be in a place where he will take care of all of our needs, all of our anxieties. He wants to put people around us that love us. He's going to make sure you have a vehicle to drive, a place to live. He does not ever leave his children without. Because if you get to that point, you are, I'm going to tell you, when you see people that are struggling and not seeking God, it's because there's other lifesavers out there. They're choosing another God to be their God, whether it's welfare, whether, you know what I'm saying? They're choosing other ways that is not the God, not what God has the best for them. It's just what they've gotten, patterns they've gotten used to. Do you know what I'm saying? The cycles, the patterns of life. And one of the patterns Satan loves on us is the pattern of fear. Fearing not having. Fearing being abandoned. I mean, I, that's why I always say there's a spirit of abortion that's hit over the United States where people want to abort things 
because they've so easily done it with themselves. So when it comes to a relationship with God, you immediately want Jesus to abort you. <laughs> How many times have felt that way? I am not good enough for this. Just give up on me. Yeah. You know, we want to be given up on sometimes. That is a spirit of abortion. That the Lord, I mean, it is so strong in the United States. We just want to be rejected. You know what I mean? But in that, we're really telling him, we're rejecting him. We, the, the, the most important thing we know is the, 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 the Holy Spirit and the truth is all in you. And he says, if you are in relationship with me, there is nothing he will not show you before it happens. I'm telling you, I broke my ankle. He showed it to me in May. It happened in October. And he showed it to me. Something was wrong with my ankle. Now, he didn't say, Lee, on this day, you're going to go here and you're going to skip and run and you're going to break your ankle and, you know, and it's going to be okay. That's not what he did. He showed me a dream and the dream had my ankle. It kept bleeding in the right ankle, kept bleeding, kept bleeding. But he also showed me, he asked me, will you allow me to love you in a manner that is contrary to this world so that they will experience a love they didn't know? And I said, yes, because, you know, my spirit broke out. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I came into agreement with the king. Then he showed me there was something wrong. <laughs> okay. But he didn't show me when, how, anything. And I wasn't even worried about it. I was more happy that he was going to love me in a manner that was contrary to this world so that other people could be saved. See, I love the assignment. If we can fall in love with the king and the assignments he's wanting to show us, and then we don't make it happen. He makes it happen, man. He is going to do it. We have such a testimony yesterday. Remodeling in this company is growing and growing and growing. And I'm going to tell you, that morning in worship, I started feeling so uneasy because Carrie and Chris are handling some things. And I was like, we got to get this in better order. I need another painter. And I was looking at Marvin to paint. Marvin can't paint. I can't put Chris on painting. I was like, I need a laborer. I need somebody who will labor. Well, I come in. Wasn't I forced, Chris? I sat down with Chris and Carrie. I said, we need to get this in order. God cannot bring the harvest. If we can't handle the harvest, you should see me. I was like on this list. And then I was like, we need somebody now, now, now. And then I kind of got disconnected and I just walked out of the room. I stood by Francis. No kidding. A man comes in and he looks in my eyes. Our eyes locked. His eyes started tearing up. I was like, are you okay? And he goes, can you talk to me now? I took him in the conference room. And he said that he had a dream that he saw me and God told him to come to this place. Okay. And no, no kidding. This is, I mean, Chris watched it all. He, you just seen us. We locked. I said, come on. I had that complex come in the conference room. And when he said he had a dream about me, now Carrie told me the rest of the dream because Carrie took him out after. He said he had a dream. I met him nine months ago, very briefly on something. But he said he had a dream of me. And in the dream, I told him not to come back for three days. He came into the office. I was standing next to Francis. He said he saw, he'd never been in our office. He saw the thing and he said, and he said, I told him, don't come back for three days. So he woke up and he said, okay, I'm going to wait three days. And I'm going to go in that office. Isn't that awesome? He comes in a laborer, a painter, a tile layer, everything I needed, everything we needed. Do you know what I mean? He walks in. I have three jobs lined up. I was like, because I'm moving Carl. Carl's being moved next week into this other place. Everybody's being shifted. I need more laborers. And I love Marvin, but Marvin can't what? Paint. I need a painter, right? Okay. You know, and I've, I looked at Chris, even in that meeting. Did you see me deflate? Chris, man, you can't paint. Carrie's wanting to give Chris this job, give Chris that job. And I was like, 
But when you are in relationship, I'm going to tell you, when you are in relationship, I sat down and I was just so in awe. I immediately got Chris and Carrie. We sat down. Didn't it? It was like, I sing. I sing. And you know what? It's for his blessing too. There's a blessing for this man. He is, Carrie's going on vacation and he's working on all the jobs. And then this man, he wants to serve a place. And I was like, I, I got up this morning. I got up early in worship and I was tired last night. But when I got up this morning, I, I said to God, I woke up, I laid on the pillow and I said to the Lord, I am definitely, the way you sent that man that I could have never found him, done him, interviewed for anything. And I am just, I am rejoicing in you on this. Do you know what I mean? And then when I woke up, this is what was awesome. He was showing me about people don't choose me. He said, people don't choose me for the day. And Gene's been on this. He's been telling us to really choose him in the morning. And he's got, we will not walk in deception. But if we don't seek him in the morning, we could be walking in what? Deception. What is deception? The growth inhibitors that are connected to us through shame, unforgiveness, and rejection. And the more we study those, and I'm going to give you a book because you probably don't have a book. In fact, you can take this one. This is the book on shame, unforgiveness, and rejection. And that's what we're teaching on the next couple Thursdays for Sonship. So if you have that and you're studying that, you'll be caught up. We just started that, that, that teaching. And that if he can remove those things, and he can what? Move some things. And he can bring what he needs to bring for you to do what he has called you to do. Not because he just wants to bless you. And he, he wants us to be blessed. But he has something for us to do in every step of the way. So it's awesome. Praise God. All right. We're just going to pray and thank the Lord. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you and we honor you and we lift up your name. We exalt your name. We bless the Lord, oh my soul. And we ask the Lord that if anybody here at this time does not have the revealing of what needs to be shifted in their soul, for them to start seeking the charts of unforgiveness, shame, and rejection. Lord, if there are those who have buried it and they're still holding on to the heaviness of it, Lord, I just ask that they you fill them with the joy of the Lord of their heart so that they can get into the rest and just enjoy your worship and your word and just rejoicing that we're not alone in this world and that you have accepted us as sons of adoption and that you have called us to a mighty place in you and you have called us all to a predestined plan so that we can be successful and advance the kingdom of God on this earth. Lord, and we want to bring the kingdom of heaven on this earth through each and every vessel in this building. So Lord, I just thank you. We honor you and we just glorify your name in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God.